Hello and welcome. This is the Annals of African Surgery and today we will highlight the papers in Volume 18, Issue 2 that was published on the 1st of April 2021. My name is Dr. James Kigera. The editorial in this issue is by Professor Shingai Mutambirwa from Sefako Magato Health Services University in Pretoria in South Africa. In his editorial, Professor Mutambirwa reminds us that despite the COVID-19 pandemic, surgeons must not lose sight of what is the standard of care and that the management of patients should continue despite the pandemic. He reminds us of the challenges that were seen during the Ebola pandemic, where there were probably more morbidity and some mortality from unrelated conditions because of people concentrating too much on the Ebola issues. He also reminds us that the toll on healthcare workers, surgeons included, should not be discounted uh, during this pandemic. Nabungu et al. from the University of Nigeria in Enugu, Nigeria, describe in their paper a technique of inferior pubectomy using a bone nibbling technique. This is being done to be able to achieve a partial inferior pubectomy while doing surgery to repair the urethra on the pelvic floor. Their paper describes five patients over a 30-month period with urethral defects ranging from 2 to 4 centimeters. Their results indicate that this procedure can have satisfactory and durable outcomes in these patients and is an alternative to those who may have concerns about chiseling out the inferior pubis. Majid Rihan from the Cairo University in Egypt describes a technique of prepuce transillumination during circumcision. In their paper, they described 432 males who underwent the procedure between August 2018 and July 2019. In this procedure, the prepuce is pulled and transilluminated with a light to confirm that there is no glandular or penile tissue before the incision on the prepuce is made. They conclude that using their technique eliminates injuries to the glands or to the penile shaft. Sogobi et al. from Olabisi Onabanjo University in 
Sagamu in Nigeria describe a paper on the management and complications of nasal septal collections. They start by letting us know that these collections could lead to structural and functional abnormalities. They retrospectively looked at patients with nasal septal collections and they collected information from 24 patients. They conclude that these collections are more common in adult males, usually as a result of trauma to the nose. They also report that one in five develop complications and these are usually associated with culture-positive abscesses, increasing age and an increased duration of the septal collection before management. Fortis et al. in their paper Clinical and Epidemiological Profile of Oral and Maxillofacial Trauma at two quaternary hospitals in Mozambique describe a descriptive cross-sectional study of patients with oral and maxillofacial trauma in Maputo and Nampula in Mozambique. They collected information from 482 patients. Of these, they concluded that the commonest injuries were fractures of the lower face and these injuries are usually severe and require a multidisciplinary approach in the management of these patients. Yani et al. in their paper Influence of Intestinal Strangulation Release on Ischemia Reperfusion Injury in Sprung Dowley Rats. In this paper, they describe an experimental study where rats were subjected to strangulation of one loop of distal ileum for about four hours. One group of rats, the strangulated intestine was released for five minutes and then resected for necrotic parts. The other comparative group, the resection was performed immediately. There was also a group that received a sham laparotomy. Four hours after the laparotomy, animals were sacrificed and specimens of the intestines were harvested for histomorphological analysis. They conclude that intestinal strangulation release before resection causes more tissue injury and oxidative stress on the intestine outside the strangulation section, although they also conclude that this difference was not statistically significant. Ojuka et al. have published a paper on the medical educational environment at the University of Nairobi, Kenya, an assessment with a DREAM tool. The authors start by acknowledging that 
the supportive learning environment can enhance the imparting of knowledge and skills to learners. They conducted a cross-sectional survey amongst medical students and in the end they conclude that the DREAM score showed numerous problems with the perception of learning and social support and that although the teachers are knowledgeable, the students are wary of their ability to transfer knowledge and skills to them. Ojuka et al. in their second paper on medical education, they explore medical students' perception to the medical education learning environment at the University of Nairobi. They start by informing us that the education environment has a significant influence on student learning. They then explored medical students' perception using focus groups and they conclude that medical students have a poor view of the education environment and that the issues that have been raised should be good feedback on teaching, governance, and the social culture at the university. Ojuka et al. in their second paper on medical education, they pursue the medical students' perception of the medical education learning environment at the University of Nairobi. They held focus groups with medical students and explored the issues related to the learning environment. They conclude that medical students have got a poor view of the education environment and that the issues raised form a good feedback on teaching, governance and social culture at the University of Nairobi. Negative appendectomy rate in urban referral hospitals in Tanzania, a cross-sectional analysis of associated factors by Nyamuria Kunge et al. from the Aga Khan Hospital in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. The authors explore the rate of negative appendectomy amongst patients presenting with appendicitis they report a negative appendectomy rate of 38.5%, while also reporting a perforation rate of 25.3%. They also tell us that the Alvarado score was rarely applied and only applied in about 6% of their patients, despite it having a demonstrable ability to decrease the negative appendectomy rate. They hence conclude that their negative appendectomy rate is high and the Alvarado score is underutilized and should be used more in the management of patients with suspected appendicitis. In the first of three case reports in this issue, Jay et al. have published a case report on perforated appendix in a neonate 
This study was conducted at the Kilimanjaro Christian Medical Center in Moshi, Tanzania. They describe a rare case of acute perforated appendicitis in a neonate who was born premature and presented with a sudden onset of abdominal distension and inability to pass stool. An emergency laparotomy revealed a perforation of the appendix at its tip. The authors conclude that although this condition is rare, clinicians need to consider it as a differential diagnosis in patients who present in an atypical manner. Obstructed right upper moiety in a bilateral partial duplex renal system in an adult is a paper that has been published by Anyimba et al. from the University of Nigeria in Enugu, Nigeria. The authors let us know that although a duplex renal system is a fairly common congenital anomaly, their case is a patient with neglected obstruction of the right upper moiety in an adult female with discordant bilateral renal duplex system. They describe that the patient had a long history of symptoms and once the diagnosis was made, she underwent complete excision of the hydronephrotic sac and the grossly dilated moiety up to the area where the ureters had fused. She became asymptomatic after that. She was symptom-free after that. The authors recommend continued follow-up of patients with renal duplication even if they are asymptomatic. The last paper in this issue is a paper by Matheka and Wasike in the Aga Khan University Hospital in Nairobi in Kenya. They describe a rare case of chylus leakage post-mastectomy and axillary dissection. They report a case of a 46-year-old female who underwent modified radical mastectomy for breast cancer. She subsequently developed chylus leakage and she was successfully managed conservatively. I hope you will all find time to visit our website annalsofafricansurgery.com to read these 12 interesting papers in volume 18, issue 2. Thank you and goodbye.